Welcome to Becoming Parents Podcast. I'm Jen Taylor, your host. I am mom of 18, and you can find me on momsrunningit.com. Remember, give a shout out to those who are brave enough to share their stories with us on how they have become parents. Let's dive right in. Yay, today I'm so excited. I have Robin on. Robin, how are you? I am so good. And excited to be here. I am so excited because I've followed you for years. And so like, I, you know, it's a one-sided best friendship. And so this is really fun for me to get to know you a little bit more. You all, everything's, all the links are in, are in the description, all, all the ways to get in touch with you. And I'm really excited to talk about your coaching towards the end. You are with Nomads with a Purpose. Just jump in. You've got five kids. You've traveled the world, the everywhere world. Yeah. yeah. So in 2015, I looked at my husband. Well, actually, I'm going to back up to 2013 and try not to go too far on a tangent. But in 2013, I had five kids. My youngest was about two. I was spending most of my weeks uh, camping at the beach in Coronado because about two years before that, my husband had massive adrenal exhaustion, just envisioned like midlife crisis. And mm. I'm with my I have five kids. They're from zero to 10 at the time. And you know, that feeling when you have so many kids in that age, you're just drowning all the time. And we were homeschooling. And so at that point, I, I had convinced him to buy an RV. And he did not like it really at all. But that's his total side side note. And so I find myself constantly camping at the beach in Coronado. We had a business in Coronado. My husband would go to work and I'd sit at the beach all week long, surfing, playing in the sand. It was so great. I was so happy. My husband finally looks at me. It was about, it might've been 2012 actually, because it was towards the end of 2012. And he's like, you really like it here. We're spending twice as much money so that we have a mortgage and because we still had a house like at a 45 minutes from the beach and we're paying for campgrounds all the time. Like, why don't we just live at the beach? I'm like, sweet. Yeah, let's go live at the beach. Just, <laughs> you don't have to twist my arm. I, I think that's a really important part of always my story because I was lucky enough to be like, this sparks joy. I don't care what it yeah. costs. I don't care um, that people don't do this. I was happy. I wanted to just, at that point, I had already chosen that I wanted to wake up happy every day. That was my highest goal. And so because of that, we lived at the beach for, for two years. My days looked like, um, at that point, let's see, my daughter would have been, my youngest daughter was about two or three um, cause she was born in 2012. So no, she was just one, one. And my oldest was probably 13 or 14. I love that. I can't, I'm great at math, but I cannot keep track of the kids ages. Right. You just, yep. It's a blur. And so we, we end up in this, um, lifestyle where a lot of mornings I get up before sunrise, I'd ride my skateboard and go watch the sunrise over the mountains, over the bay. Then I'd skate over to the beach side, which is only like a half a mile between them. I check the surf. I run back home and wake up my 12 year old daughter and be like, Hey, the surf's good. Let's go surf. And I had a son that was old enough to stay home and watch the other kids. Um, we finished surfing a couple hours later. I'd homeschool the kids where our dining room overlooked the ocean. You'd see the dolphins swim by while you're doing math. And it was, it was a dream. I mean, there was, everything was great. The only negative is that was a little expensive and sometimes money problems become marital problems. Correct. And my husband was always working. And at that point, I really hadn't done enough self-growth to um, what I would consider uh, be really independent in my sense of self. I still, looking back, I was still like, oh, but honey, I never see you, but I want to see you. Little did I know over many years of travel that that's not as important anymore. It, it was at the time though. I really needed, like, mm -hmm. we have all these discussions like, God, oh, this costs us so much money and you're always working. You never want to see me. And it wasn't that. He was just like, it's everything's expensive. I've got to work all the time. And so in 2015, the house that we were renting on the beach, this beautiful lifestyle, it, it, she wanted to sell it to cash in. And we kind of looked at each other. Well, we looked at each other and I basically said like, well, let's just live in the RV to save money. Cause I knew my husband would be all about like, yeah, saving money. I could work less than this sounds great. 
there's only one thing I could have said better that would have like really motivated him. But it, um, we, we ended up in April 1st, 2015, we moved into the RV. At that point, we, our, our compromise was we had a fifth wheel trailer and not a great truck to tow it in. And it was a smaller fifth wheel. Keep in mind, in 2015, there weren't all these Instagram famous RV liver. Like nobody yeah. I knew lived in an RV. Nobody I knew did anything like this. And mm -hmm. all I did was just go off of like what I wanted to do. I knew like I love the beach. I love to surf. I want to just be outside. I don't know. I didn't like take like now today. I think it's almost worse because people research too much. They get caught up in like what is everybody else doing. So I'm going to take my life that makes sense in a brick and mortar and then compare it to what everyone else does in an RV. And so there's still this um, disassociation with internal intuition. And at the time, it was just more my intuition was like, you know, I really like to see new places. We hadn't been to many national parks. Let's just let's do a couple road trips um, to like Rocky Mountain and Bryce Canyon. We'd never been there. And so my husband's like, yeah, but I'm not doing it. And I don't want to tow a trailer. That's scary. And that's hard. I'm like, well, I'll tow it. No big deal. It's like, why don't we just get a class C? And I think that was really, really smart decision. At the time, we've got a class C. I had five fairly young kids. You know, the, now we don't use that. We're actually going to be living in that class C in a couple of weeks. And the kids are so much bigger. I am like, how are we going to fit in this class C right now? But at the time they were little and it was great. We all kind of just squished together in a 30 foot class C and we did it for, with the intention to just do it through the summer, April 1st to September 1st. And we'll, and then August comes along and my husband looks at me and he says, you are so happy. Like I can't, and he uh so he he decided he's like we'll just keep doing this and it wasn't very um, active decision it was just kind of figure it out you you decide what works best for you and, and I'm just going to keep working and so then the next uh year comes along and my daughter well actually it was just a couple months later my daughter and I were surfing and we're like hey Let's plan a gap year. You should plan a gap year. You're a freshman in college. Like you should be doing geography. Why don't you plan a gap year? Because our homeschooling model by then had been, we still dipped our toe in structure, but it, there was some free, free form education in there. And she planned this amazing gap year and Europe all of a sudden like stood out to me. Like I had never thought of going to Europe. And I looked at the pictures in her presentation. I'm like, I want to go there. We should mm -hmm. definitely go there. And so within a week, I looked for Norwegian, had tickets for like $200 one way. I'm like, hey, we have $1,800 in the bank. Let's book a ticket. And so to not go into so many details, it was kind of like that for about three or four years where an idea presented, do I have enough money for this right now? Book the, like, just take one step, one step forward. So it would be book the ticket. And then over the next month, okay, let's figure out how we can afford a rental car or a rent an RV. Okay, now hope. And it was that for me, it was really easy for me to not have all the information, just to know the core desire. I want this. This feels right. Let's let's make it. I guess I guess that's manifestation. I don't like at the time. It was just logic, my own logic. Um, the big thing is uh, my husband's an Enneagram too. And the Enneagram too is an amazing thing because they're called the helper. And the helper really like their core desire is just to be needed. And so for all of our marriage up until that point, my husband uh, was so great at like, how can I help you? I mean, he, he was working all the time at a business I started, kind of walked away from to have kids and he kept it going. We, we opened a gymnastics facility when I was, whew, was I 20 by then? I was, I think I was 20. I was 19 or 20. I think I was 19 actually. It was right before I turned 20 and he had never taught gymnastics. And I'm like, Hey honey, I love you. I want to see you all the time. Can you help me teach gymnastics? He's like, sure. I get to stare at you all day long. This is great. I'll teach gymnastics. And we just, we, we, we've made a relationship work on him. He was the helper. And then with the babies, he was so great at being a dad with young kids. Here, let me help you with the diapers. Let me help you get the, get the baby in the middle of the night, things like that. 
When we went to travel, Vena type two was not necessarily helpful. Vena type two was really hard for him because there were, we were always in new destinations. We were, there was a lot of uncertainty. Um, he did great with routine. And so I'd be taking him away from his work routine and his workout routine and his eating routine. And so it ended up over, he, he went along, he did a lot of those things, but by about 2018, 2019, I don't know, blends together, it, it just got to be so stressful in our marriage that we had to modify it because it just was not lining up with his, his natural uh, personality where his core desire was because the more we traveled, my kids were older, we actually didn't need as much help. In Europe, it was great because we still had uh, a little, she was four at the time, I think, uh, my youngest, Tatiana. She couldn't hike and do and surf with us. So he loved to stay back in the RV and he'd make paper. I wish we had recorded all of that back then. But yeah, he would make like duct tape and paper plates, arts and crafts for six hours in a parking lot in Spain while I would take the other kids and go hike a mountain or something. It was really, it was a really beautiful thing, but it also led to levels of resentment, if you, you know, yeah. how that so, can be. So I'm an Enneagram too. I found it. We talked about this beforehand. I am okay. an Enneagram too. Okay. And so does uh, any of that resonate with you? Oh yeah. Oh, hundred percent. It's interesting. You know, when you're, when you're that structured, I have to like structure my spontaneity, which sounds so stupid, but like I can do it to a point and then I'm uncomfortable. Wow. I, I have to, right. And you're, you're parenting your kids, you're homeschooling, you're now on the road, you're living in a, so you moved in the same year we downsized 80% of our belongings with 12 kids in our house and decided that our goal in a, in several years was to move into an RV. So you were way, and it was, you're right. Like there wasn't information back then. I thought I'm crazy and people are going to think I'm crazy and they're probably right. You know, because yeah. there wasn't all this in the last seven years, like a ton has opened up. You're right. All these people who are now social media famous and, you know, we homeschool. So we're a little crazy. And so but I love that you're parenting your kids in a way that for you is really intuitive, where for me, that is not I am visual. I am logical and I don't tap into feelings, but my husband does. So when I have a logical idea, yeah. he feel, he feels into it. So that's kind of our balance a little bit. And that's a big thing I've noticed because I've moved from, I used to be just a fitness coach and then a health coach. And now it's more relationship. <laughs> it tied in with, with health. And it's funny because opposites attract for a reason. And so right. no matter what, you always end up with this, wherever this stem from an imbalance in um uh, there, there is this like, so you might be FE and he's FI and there's this into you're feeling into other people and he's feeling into his own being, but I don't want to, that's a really deep rabbit hole. Um, I think the big thing is I went around 2018 or 19, I just started traveling without my husband and it, that yeah. was a really big step for me. And it's not to say like you should leave but I just looking back, I realized how much it, there was a lot of fear involved there. There was a lot of abandonment issues. There were so many. It was so, it was even harder for him. He would have much rather just gone. But it, I, I got to a point where I, was, I just got to go travel by myself. You're kind of a downer. And I think in that aspect of him and I both went through so much deconstructing our programming because I look back and go, wow, we were a great couple, but we were really codependent and looking to each other to fulfill this void. And as yeah. I was trying to raise more independent thinkers, as I was trying to set um, a model for how I wanted my kids to be, I realized I couldn't stay in this codependent type mentality because then I wouldn't, I have a saying, be who you want your kids to be. And I was like, I can't, I can't say this and act this way. And so as, and then on top of it, my kids got, my older kids were very intuitive too, and got very deep into Enneagram and mindfulness. And, you know, they'd go meditate and with me and do yoga with me all the time and surf. And you're always in, really, it's like you're in nature, 
you're surrounded by nature all the time that you can't help but be connected to an energy energy of beyond yourself. Like I, I talk a lot about spirituality. It wasn't like, like a religion. It wasn't like mountain religion. But it was right. like you, you end up feeling <laughs> – you just are seeing – I mean, these kids are going to 26 different countries. They're hiking places that you just – you only see in movies, and they're experiencing. They're living it. They're, they're meeting people and cultures. Their eyes were so open to the possibilities that – my daughter just uh, – my 21-year-old just gave a TED Talk on this – that you can't, you can't uh, deny that there's an existence more than have a su successful job, have a big house, have this car, have this job. You can't, you can't fit into that success model, this that rat race model. Once you see that there's a different world out there, your perception literally changes, and so we ended up in a situation where we just travel without him some, he still would come and fly in and need us for some things, but there was a, it would take days. We tell him there would be a 72 hour um, like window where it would take him to shift from the perception of where he worked and who he was around to this perception of how yeah. we kind of lived. And the, um, it, it worked out good. Then COVID hit and COVID it helped in a way it changed the rules for us. It allowed us, to um, for him to walk away from his job in the sense that he was in a brick and mortar. So it wasn't so much the brick okay. and mortar for home that helped us. It was the brick and mortar for job that helped us because it allowed him to not be surrounded. You know, you're the sum total of the five people you hang around with, right? You be, and so if he's always hanging around with clients who see the world in a different way, it was hard for him to see the world in the way that we were seeing it it kind of put us on different wavelengths and now that's changed. So that's a huge, I mean, you're talking about really massive gaps. It's like two separate family dynamics within the same family and how you're parenting and how involved he is. So I, I would love for you to talk about his transition into uh, earning money on the road and what that looked like for him with his Enneagram personality type and how you guys made the decisions to change your relationship. Yeah. Sorry. I was making sure I could tell our Wi-Fi was breaking up a little bit. I was like texting my kids, make sure you're off the Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, mama. Yeah. Like, what are you guys doing? Um, so the big thing is for, this is the, I guess the biggest struggle was, he went to digitally training people. So he still has his gym in Coronado. Okay. And he still works with people in Coronado, but he just does it like this via FaceTime. Got it. Well, for an Enneagram. So he still is actually, it's good because he still is the helper. He helps people. He just doesn't get to be a helper in our marriage as much and in the family as much. But with his clients, he really gets to a lot. He doesn't, um, the transition was good because I basically in May of 2020 said, I'm leaving San Diego because that's where his home base, we would home base there in between traveling. We'd live in an RV in San Diego. We travel abroad, we'd come back to San Diego. We travel to wherever, Alaska, we'd come back to San Diego. Yep. When COVID hit in San Diego, the amount of lockdowns, it, it took me a whole, I don't know, 24 hours to look around and go, this is a joke. Like there, there is, this is not making any sense mm -hmm. at all. Like the fact that you could go where we would stay, you could run the street next to a car, but it was dangerous to run the sidewalk. And they would have <laughs> so many police officers <laughs> making sure that nobody parked in the parking lot to run the sidewalk because that was dangerous. And then you'd go to the beach and like, well, first they closed the beach for a while, which is another one that I was like, this is, you're, you're not going to let me go surf now. Give me a, come on. It's got to be the healthiest thing. I'm in the ocean. I'm under the sunlight. This is crazy. And then you go to the beach and people, you could only walk. You couldn't sit on the beach and then you could go to a restaurant and you couldn't, you know, if you walk, you did a basket, but you sit and you're safe. Like there's zero logic here. I, I, Correct. I go, I real quick by April. I'm like, Victor, I'm out of here. I'm going to leave. But in true Star Wars fashion, I said, I'm not leaving till May the 4th. And the kids were all like, yeah, we're not leaving till May the 4th. And so on May the 4th, I hitched up my RV. The big, we had a bit, by then we had a huge 42-foot uh, fifth wheel again. 
And I left. I'm like, I'm driving to South Dakota. We had already traveled a lot the year um, before. Well, actually, we hadn't been. I'm like, I'm going to South Dakota. We're going to set up residency there. I'm just going to go. Yep. And we, um, I get to, um, I guess we had already been there. I don't remember. At some point, I just told my husband, like, we're, we're leaving. Oh, I know. We went there, set up residency. Throughout the summer, we traveled through South Dakota, kind of loved it. In the end of August, actually, is when I went back to San Diego to hitch up my RV. And on the way driving out to South Dakota to bring it there, my uncle said, hey, we have a home base or I have a house in Montana that you could rent. And I knew that that would be a really good transition for my husband because he was really scared to live in a new place where he what didn't necessarily have a job. Like he hadn't mastered this whole online training thing. Right. It was just really quick to be like, this would be a happy medium. This would be a compromise for our family. And he was like, yes, a house. Like he didn't, he just did not. It was one thing to be in an RV in a city he felt safe and his family was there and he, it wasn't too many variables, but to be in an RV purely in a new state. He, I don't know. He, to me, I'm like, that sounds fun. But so he, so we rented this house. And that was the transition really for him. It wasn't about online. It's that this house is on 80 acres, 60 acres. I don't know. Mm. There's no neighbors. You just stare out at wildlife all the time. There was, and if you're a type two, one of the most important things for you is nature because you need a lot of time to process your thoughts. And um, for him, I say, I think he sits and stares out the window for hours on end, just trying to process the world. It's just there. So that's why travel was hard because when we get to a new place, he's trying to process what's happening. What's like, am I safe? He, picking up too many details that he couldn't allow himself to immerse himself in the experience. It was always on defense mode. So in this, in that year and a half that we've had this house, I think it's helped uh, heal his root chakra. He had some pretty significant uh, abuse uh, when he was a kid and never really got to heal from that. That was a big reason he had that adrenal exhaustion in 20, 2009. Um, I've learned a lot about how to heal from those, those type of traumas in helping him get better. And then on top of it, all of our travels kept triggering that response because once you're, you know your brain treats trauma the same, so it doesn't matter if if it was whatever the thing is. Anytime you're in a similar fear response, similar emotion, your brain just goes right back to how it felt scared as a kid, mm -hmm. and so you end up reliving every single city we get to in that trauma response. And so over, especially over this last year and a half, we've done so much more to heal that trauma and rewire the, the brain. And now even him in his, he was a strength coach and now he's just, he's doing a lot of trauma healing for others because I think that's what COVID, COVID triggered that. If anybody had a mm -hmm. trauma from childhood, COVID just re-triggered that for people. And yep. it's not, it, there might not be any logical explanation for people, but that trapped energy unless until we start moving it, it's um and it's hard because it's like a dam that's been put up and so for people like at first you start putting a crack in that dam and they kind of freak out like oh this is too much i uh, this emotion and you're you gotta you have to just keep working through it till that dam comes down and the, then the energy starts flowing evenly so that that's really first type two the job helps the job definitely helps i would awesome. say that yeah Wow. That, that's great. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. So we're actually, we actually are moving back into our RV and we were going to let go of this house because I do think, um, well, a couple of things tied together, came together for it, but we, it wasn't a healthy relationship with our, the person we're renting the house from. And so he realized that, oh, well, yes, it's great that I got to kind of deconstruct my programming, heal my trauma. Yes, it did serve a purpose for safety and security for a while. There's no joy for my family here. And that's really the biggest problem where we have this home base. We, we're barely here anyways. I, I've, I just leave, you know, it's a joke that, all right, I'm going to go back to the house and I'm going to try to stay there for two weeks this time. And 
two weeks rarely has happened. It has happened this last, I, I, I think, yeah, 50, I've been here since March 1st, so that's good. It's been, I've made it to my two week promise, but it was only because we're moving out that I was trying to last for a whole month here. Um, there's, for me, I need to be in the outdoors. I need to be doing something physical with my body. So mountain biking's fine, hiking, uh, rock climbing, skiing, anything's fine. So right now we have skiing and, and I, it's only an hour and a half away. So we, we kind of make do with that. But overall, I keep, he'll stay back here and I keep going. And he's just like, uh, yeah, I'm done staying back. Like, I don't want to, I, I needed to stay back for a while, but I'm kind of done. I don't want to stay back anymore. And so I said, okay, well, we're going to have to just get rid of the house. Well, the fact is, though, I'm not an idiot to what's going around, going on in the world. And I definitely see um, my side hobby, hobby is analyzing the economic situation in the world. And I really do think that we are on the cusp of another crisis, probably mostly financially. And while yes. I don't want to live in fear, at the same time, I feel like I have to, a family to protect and keep safe. So I do want to keep options open. It's nice here. We have access. We don't grow a lot of food here because the sun never comes out where we are in Montana, but in the summer we can. I don't know if we will, but we could. Um, there's a lot of animals. Like, you know, it's easy to find a cow around here. Yeah. You know, you're a carnivore diet. We are not strictly carnivore, but for the most part, like three to four pounds of grass-fed meat is a staple for every dinner. Like it, that's just yep. a given. And part of coming here was so I could keep two freezers with a cow in it at all times. And that's kind of my level of priority is maintain a stockpile of beef and then travel. <laughs> and we're trying, I could, for a while we traveled with two freezers in the RV, but that was just, it was so much weight. <laughs> it's so much weight to carry around. So much power too. How yeah, much it's so hard on my truck. I don't, it, I have, yeah, no that's a lot. And I totally get the balancing out the fear because I don't, I don't jump in and rule my life with fear either. Also, though, you want to be wise and prepare, yeah, you know, for, for things that are happening. We kind of do the same thing, ride that balance of what, what's the most important or where you, where you fall on that fear scale, I guess. Um, and I love that. I would love for you to tell people where they can get their Enneagram done. Okay. So we have Nomads with a Purpose is our travel blog that Gabby, my 21-year-old, her and I started that when we were in Europe in 2016 or right after maybe. And, and we've grown that brand out. And then in about, I guess, a year ago, my 17-year-old was really into the Enneagram and Myers-Briggs yeah and now yep. astrology. And so her and Gabby and myself, that's all we ever talk about is Enneagram and analyzing people. And I've already always been this health coach and I realized, oh man, all of the stuff that I do for health and fitness, it totally ties in to what somebody's Enneagram is. And so her, the two girls and myself started making mindfulnessfun.com as another blog. And we have a YouTube channel there. And quite honestly, I think every single test, I, I don't never seen somebody test correctly yet. Okay. And so I, what we did is we created a video called precision personality hacker, where we kind of walk people in, um, into their Enneagram backwards instead of taking a test. Yes or no, because what happens is people see their behavior instead of their core desire. And when I, like for me, I show up like this and I'm so excited and happy. People will be like, oh, you're a type seven, but seven's just my wing. And so real quick for an Enneagram, if you're new to it, Enneagram's your core desire. And even more importantly, it's a defense mechanism to your programming when you were a child. It's how you, we all have unmet needs. We're, we're in this, we come to earth and we have this, this soul and we have, a family we're born to and however they interact with us, it kind of, it usually has an unmet need. And so our Enneagram becomes our way of meeting that need for ourselves, or, or a defense mechanism for that. And you probably see this with 18 kids that you're like, whoa, I've raised you guys all the same, but why is it that you guys have such weird different personalities? 
Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Like, how can you, how can you all be raised in the same family? And yet like you can know that your kids are unique and different, but like some of it, I think, holy cow, whose house were you raised in? Like it's nuts. Yeah. And so to, to go off on an even more tangent. So like when I work with somebody as a client, the first thing I do is pull their natal chart. And I even need to work on developing this voice for homeschooling. If you're homeschooling your kids, because I used to say, oh, homeschool by their Myers-Briggs, homeschool by their Enneagram. But Myers-Briggs and Enneagram are just a reflection of their natal chart. And you look, you start looking at a kid's south node, north node, their Lilith, right, or yours, yours too. And, and you start to see like, oh, wait, this is my soul. My, my soul needed this. My soul had this characteristic or quality that came naturally to it. But then it has these blind spots. And so as a kid, we end up with this, this soul and then an unmet need and it becomes our Enneagram. And so mine is I'm a type eight, which you can kind of see in just our dialogue that, oh yeah, she takes control of every situation as a defense mechanism that nobody's going to hurt me. Like my parents got divorced when I was young. I realized I couldn't count on them. They couldn't fulfill for me what I needed in myself. And so my defense mechanism became like, well, I can't trust you. I'm going to take control of my happiness myself. And then that I see how that played out in my marriage. And there got to be a point where it's great. You're the helper. You're making sure I, I get what I want in a business and in all these kids. And then I real, realized, oh, wait, wait, wait. I have to create these things for myself without being reliant on um my husband needed him. And so really when we sep- when we started traveling separate or independent, it wasn't like, I'm going to go do this. It was actually more from like, Hey, I appreciate that you helped me, but like, I want you to be happy. I want you to find fulfillment in yourself too. So I'm going to go take two week trip with the kids, like spend some time, try to get, you know, so that we're not distracting you, spend some time and get in touch with who you are because a type two in growth becomes a type four. So they're, they go from being the helper to the individualist. Like, and as a type four, they become more about um, what sparks joy for myself, which is really cool. Right now, my husband and I, we can, we can be in this spot where we're going back to an RV and get to do it again and be like, okay, like I don't have to control everything. I don't have to seek intensity because uh, a type eight does tend to seek a lot of intensity. And I can be more, my growth is actually more like it too. I can be more compassionate and helping and, and he can be more, I think this next run is going to be really fun for us because we have so much more awareness of what it takes for each of us to thrive and kind of a bigger picture on this. I like for, for you mentioned when you were talking about your Enneagram, that it's hard for you to add spontaneity. Sometimes. And you know, it's interesting that you said that most people test incorrectly. Someone tested me and told me I was a two. Yeah. So like now I'm questioning all of it. I, but yes, I, I can be spontaneous to a certain point. Yeah. Um, do you notice uh, when, and it's funny because I think a lot of people do test as their wing. So I'm not hundred percent sure, but just from talking for a few minutes, I would probably have guessed you a one with a wing too, okay. because of just some of the dialogue you'll say. And I think it's that we see how we behave. So everything in society has programmed us to be um, labeled or identified based on our behavior because we right. don't share a lot of our inner self. We And right. even right. if we do, we kind of feel shame sometimes for it. So we don't want people to know that side of ourselves. And I don't know, would you consider yourself like a perfectionist? Do you, do you no. label things? Oh, no. I label things. Yes. I label things, but Are no, you, I don't think I'm a perfectionist. Not a perfectionist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the type one would be a perfectionist. One thing about a one is they, their growth is all about like spontaneity is about like allowing spaces in their day or their schedule or their life for just winging it. Or for if somebody comes home and like, Hey, oh my gosh, let's go get coffee right now for them to not look at their, their schedule, their to-do list and go, but, but I had this on my to-do list. I was supposed to do this next and be able to be like, F it. Like, yeah, let's go. Let's go grab a beer too while we're at it. 
<laughs> that's what a type one's growth would look like, things like that. And yeah. it's, um, every number, it's really cool once you know what your number is because you have so many tools that you can work on. You also have two right. wings. So if as an eight, I do tend to go into my seven wing a lot. They're an eight wing seven's the maverick, and it served me really well in traveling. But sometimes, and especially right now, I'm trying to step a lot more into my nine, and that's mama bear, and really come into this, like, protect society, protect the group, not just my tribe, but protect more, like, I'm speaking out about what's happening more, and trying to um, to just step into that leadership role, when before in travel, it was more about me being selfish and finding my own joy and I'm recognizing like ah, the world is not heading towards a good destination. I have to step into this nine growth and it's like, I know it's there, I can do it, but I have to actively work on it. And being able, if somebody was a two, so if you were a two, a two would be, I'm gonna help, I'm gonna help. And they might have a way to be more of a servant and what way that they're more of a hostess. And the servant ends up being a lot more like lists and, and details and okay, I'm going to like literally like, do you want to keep uh, tea or coffee or this or that? Whereas the hostess is looking more at um, making sure there's harmony and looking more at the big picture and how can we serve the whole party and things like that. So you can use, I don't know if that's the best example, but you can start to see yourself in terms of your wings and then and kind of ask like, what, what do I need to be my best self? I've never heard of the wing. So that's interesting. But I took Myers-Briggs when my first year of college, I was 17. And it was so eye-opening to me because you know, you feel like you know who you are, but when you see it in black and white, you're like, <laughs> oh, like now I understand more of why I am how I am and what that means and what the pros and cons are. So how I can build up one part of my personality and maybe change. Cause I remember there was one thing in that, that I didn't like about myself. Do you and remember said, yeah, what the letters were? Oh, ENFJ. I'm an ENFJ. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm the giver to a fault. And one of the things in there said that I could be manipulative and that hurt me so much. Like I would never want to manipulate people. And then I realized I could take that and use it to my advantage and other people. So like getting my kids to clean the house with a chore wheel, that's manipulation. But it was like a positive way to use my ability to manipulate. And I, then I actually like, enjoyed that part of my personality that at first I was like adverse to. I did not want people to ever see me as manipulative. And then I'm like, no, actually I can capitalize on that part of my behavior in a positive way. So I have geeked out on personality tests since I was 17, except I don't understand the Enneagram as well. And okay. when somebody told me what I was, I don't know if that's true. And ENFJ is, um, so that's what we do in the Precision Personality Hacker that's on Making Mindfulness Fun YouTube, is we start with that way because it's easier for us to see those behavioral patterns, to see that you're extroverted or that you're intuitive, right. feeling and judging. And knowing that, um, more than likely too, if you can see that and be like, oh, I see this manipulative aspect, that's very too like, that's very Enneagram too like, oh, and yeah, right. not that that's a bad, like you said, it's not that it's a bad thing. It's that it's that you've become, you were, and again, it was like an ego defense somewhere along the line in your parent, in how you were parented or school or whatever, you got affirmation for being helpful being the person who you maybe get more attention by like, oh, wow, you know how to manipulate for affirmation. And that can be good because society values people who are helpers way more than they value somebody who is selfish. And so right. you can, so you can use that in a positive aspect to be like, oh, wait, I'm good at this. Like my husband is, he's amazing at knowing what like we'll, we'll meet strangers is within like 15 minutes he'll be talking about the music that he's made the assumption that they like and he's always spot on like he knows how to manipulate the dialogue to make him look really good because he's cueing into what this person they're feeling they're saying he's he's very in touch with that and it's a it's a great 
But then you can use that as a tool for yourself to be like, oh, wait, I have a tendency to feel outside of myself. I'm feeling into everyone else's emotions and I'm not feeling into my emotions so much. And so right. then the, does that make you feel that yes. like sometimes it's easy to be out there in yes. other people's energy field and then to try to step into your own it's hard. Yeah, I to love other people's. It feeds my soul. Like it feels like I, especially like in groups and stuff, I, I get fed by other people's energy and feelings. It can do the opposite though, too. This is cool. It turned into a short coaching because we're going to talk yeah. about your coaching Yeah. next. Um, actually, let's do that. I want you to talk about the coaching that you offer because we can wrap up on that because now people saw our interaction. And so and they've listened to you, so they know a lot about how, what type of coach you'd be, which is so fun. It's so fun yeah. for me. So let's it's, end by talking about your coaching. Okay, so like, perfect example right now. We go from Enneagram, and then we reverse to Myers-Briggs, and then I go, well, then I look at a natal chart first to see what your where south node and north node, because for for you, it I don't know because I haven't looked at your natal chart, but it might be this ability to that you are so good at being this diplomat and, and meeting everybody else's needs, but your north your north node where you'd want to grow to is balancing out um, kind of probably what you're doing here, where you're you're stepping into other people. Like you did a really good job right now. You're like, oh, let me make let me turn it. I don't want it to turn about me. Let me turn it into you really quick. But if you want to mention me in a second, that'd be great. And um, you 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 get these these little cues in it. But here's, here's my thing. I always bring it back to the energy field. Like we talked about these dams that happen. We have these mm -hmm. hurts in our life and they block one of the chakras. They'll end up causing energetic blocks somewhere. Maybe it's up in your crown third eye where you have seven energy. So what I try to do is while I can look back at a coach and see your, the big picture of this, this whole, um, tangible details of your life. Okay. You're an FE type or an NI type or a type two or type four. I look at it in energy and go, okay, well, we can tune into one of those energy blockages and start to uh, decrystallize them. Or basically you unblock the chakra, you heal the chakra. You don't want to overuse one or underuse them. And so I'll tell you what each one controls. It controls an emotion and it controls our physical being. So all sickness and disease that we experience in life really can be come down to an energy blockage. I know I, I, mean, I don't want to get into terrain theory too much, but we're told that there's all these things out there in the world that attack us. But really, it's our body's natural ability to heal is based on what the internal environment is like. If, if we have a healthy metabolism, our body knows how to process toxins and knows how to use energy correctly and knows how to heal. Well, when we have an energy blockage at any one of those chakras, it limits our ability for our body to do what it naturally knows how to do. So I, as a coach, I start with energy on one side and nutrition on the other side. The big thing I always tell people when they start working with me is like, I used to be so into extreme fitness. I'm like, you don't have to work out. You can, if you want to work out and you love it, great. But you do not have to work out. Working out will be a byproduct of how great you feel. Um, so energy, we go from the base up. You have a root chakra that controls anything to do with um, your feeling of safety and security. So I did say when we traveled, my husband had a hard time traveling because he never felt safe or secure as a kid. And when we traveled, he never felt safe and secure. We had to come to a house in Montana and freeze for a year for him to unblock that and be like, okay, he'll be able to say now, he, he says it on his platform all the time, like, it's amazing. Like, I, I, I actually feel safe. I can go into the world and actually start to trust people a little bit. It's not like he's mm -hmm. going to welcome he's not going to walk into any stranger's house but but most people like he would not even he would have had a huge defense mechanism up before and it took him in france um mm -hmm. falling on a wave cutting his eye almost losing his eye and a complete stranger helped us took us to the emergency room wow. like opening up his his like kind of being forced into it was the start of it it, it took a long time after that
Okay, back to coaching. So you got root chakra. Now, anybody who has low back, constant low back pain, you probably have a root chakra issue because I said a chakra influences the energy and the emotion, but it also has a physical manifestation. And if it's hard to believe and you're listening, like you checked out, like, wait a second, come on. Like, think about what you feel when somebody walks in the room and they have bad energy. You can feel it Mm -hmm. or if they have good energy. So there is something to it on a simplistic model. Sacral chakra is the next one up. And that really uh, has to do with our sense of individuality, our ability to be vulnerable, our our self-expression. Uh, it's definitely, it's anything reproductive limitations is, is related to that. <clears throat> our ability to feel intimate connection in our relationships is affected there. Um, then third is solar plexus. That's our ability to be brave and confident and act. Um, you want to act in alignment with, with that sacral chakra that was your sense of self and, and being able to align them. What most people look at that is, is like, I'm super productive. I get so many things checked off my to-do list. And that's not really Manipura. Being busy, you know, everyone gets a badge of busy. I'm, I'm busier than you, so I'm more worthy than you. And like, that's not what that's about. Unfortunately, that's what blocks it. Heart chakra is usually where I have to start with everybody because we are a society that has been told that guilt makes you more worthy too, especially as a mom, right? That's why there's mom guilt. Because we were so used to being um, not processing. We want to be so amazing for our kids and our family. And we want to be seen as amazing. And so then we end up kind of overgiving and not necessarily from the healthiest spot. So the bottom three are body chakras. Heart chakra is in the middle. And this is where we kind of bridge to the mind. The top three are your mind chakras. And that's your throat chakra, your third eye, and your crown chakra. And that is, gives our ability to express ourselves and to listen to kind of like, I think throat chakra is a beautiful thing that you do with the podcast, because if more people got to just dialogue back and forth, they would be able to heal so much of their blocked energy because um, a lot of us, we have these things that happen as kids and we don't get to dialogue it. We don't get to offload it. And sometimes just being able to speak it, this amazing healing. Uh, third eye is, uh, that's, it takes a lot to get people to third eye, but that's where that's where the magic happens is where you can see where you want to go. Then it's much easier to unblock all the others. If you see the future, like you guys are about to move into an RV and have this. Mm-hmm. And if you can visualize yourself in these amazing destinations and what it's going to feel like to be camped next to a river or in a forest or your kid, if you can visualize like the dialogue that your kids are having with each other by doing that, that's it. You, you heal other chakras and then you attract the energy that brings that to your, to fruition. Remember I said, mm-hmm. I didn't know that I was manifesting before. I was just doing third eye, third eye chakra without knowing it. So that kind of gave an overview of my weird approach to coaching is that I think (laughs) I have this ability to see somebody's ultimate happiness. And then I usually can see in their energy field, oh, this is the spot where there's a blockage. And then we work through it by uh, like, that's, that's a gradual process. You unblock that. And then simultaneously, you know, nurture your, nurture your body's ability to heal through good food and, Mm -hmm. um, Things like that. So that's, <laughs> it's a, it's a mind-body approach that's a little unorthodox, but I do think that people, it resonates with a lot of people because people today now know that there's more to themselves than they have been told. Absolutely. And I love that, uh, and I just lost my train of thought, but I love that you talked about uh, earlier how when you start to unravel this, the trauma stuff, it is scary and frightening and emotional and, you know, the dam cracks a little bit and we we all go, <gasps> and it's getting through that to the other side. I, I'm an NLP practitioner, so different approach, although there's lots of crossover and mm-hmm. how you and I would work through someone's trauma and getting past that to the other side, but there's a lot of similarities. And, uh, and again, like your husband, I got through my stuff from childhood and I was like, Oh my gosh, on the other side of this is so much joy that I want other people to know and be able to get to the other side of theirs. 
Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it, very similar with NLP. You're right. Very, the, yeah. And there's not like there's certain certain uh, strategies work better for different they, people. Right, it's, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad that you dove into yours and your coaching. And I wrote a little bit more in my description because I wanted people to understand that like this is a great example of how you can coach people through a lot of this with the personality tests, with all of that in it, too. Because yes. I would think that like different people would react differently based on their personality to you moving through the chakras. Yeah. It's like so many, I always think of this one with so many people, it's their dream. They get married, they have kids and they're like, I want this dream house and I'm going to remodel my house. And now it's all about remodel your RV. But very few people look at their human body or their human experience the same way. Mm -hmm. They move through it as if it's an old 1950 shack and it's like, well, that's just how it is. And, and like, there's so much potential and it's like, if we can, it, it's great. Remodel your house, remodel your RV, whatever. But if, if you don't value, you have to think about why am I doing that to begin with? Why do I care so much about what my house looks and feels like, but I don't care what my body looks and feels like. Mm -hmm. And it's not really anyone's fault. It's just, that's the society that they, that we were, brought into, but I don't think, I think it's going to change. I think this is going to, this was a big wake up for a lot of people. And I, to me, I see a lot of great things happening. Still a lot of bad me too. things. But, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, the connection that people are getting um, in the world, it, it's really, you know, build, we're building the world we want our kids to live in. And the, the chakra that I talk about the most for people is that sacral chakra is that sense of individuality. And that was blocked for our generation. Us, we're, us growing up, nobody was telling us like, what's your sense of self? How do you feel creative? And you know, creativity now is such an easy thing to tap into with technology, which seems weird, but it does. Like we can, we can be um, creative in our podcasts. We can be creative with our blogs, with our YouTube, with courses. With we can be so creative. And I do think that that is, uh, I, I really don't promote this nearly enough um, I, I should, but I talk about this so much for homeschooling is our homeschooling curriculum needs to be creativity driven because that's where we tap into the most potential for our children in identifying their creative outlets. Like the, the future will be, you're not going to be a firefighter or a nurse or probably even a doctor in the future. I mean, you might be a healer, but the jobs are changing. And so if we can teach our kids how to uh, combine their creativity with um, solving other people's problems, then I think that's going to be where the shift is in humanity, if that makes any sense. It does. Robin, thank you so much for being on. It was We could talk for another few hours, but I'm going to end it here. <laughs> okay, perfect. We can keep talking. Thank you so much for being on. I appreciate you. Thank you.